As followers of Christ, we are faced with new norms and societal changes that may differ from our worldview. We see fads continue to shape not only our culture, but our beliefs as well. Are we following the trends of life, or are we seeking after the deeper truths which God places before us? We'll discuss these questions and more in Trend or Truth. Hey guys, it's Wes here. This is going to be my rookie outing hosting, running all the controls on the board because Mason and Zorn aren't here today, but I've got some awesome guests that'll make up for all my little flubs, I'm sure. <laughs> We've got Carly. What's up, guys? And we have Reagan. Hello. And Leah. Hello, hello. So last week was pretty crazy because we kind of started off in a direction that I wasn't expecting. And then probably about 20 minutes into it, Leah drops a truth bomb on us and <laughs> starts talking about uh, being vulnerable. Because our original question was, what does it mean to be human? And of course, after some conversation, we talked about uh, being a child of God. Because if we go back in our you know, understanding of the origin of hum- humanity, uh, God creates these two human beings that are, you know, physically adults, but they're just like children, you know, emotionally and 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 mentally and stuff like that. So it was really cool. So what I kind of wanted to talk about today is understanding what it means to still have that childlike vulnerability and innocence, but live this life, uh, you know, as the people of God, uh, to live for the kingdom and uh, know what it means to maintain uh, the good things, the good um, traits of being like a child, but also there's some dangers in in that. So did you guys uh, look at the text and kind of get some ideas of what you wanted to talk about today? Mm-hmm. Who wants to go first? Um, I can just say something along the lines of like that that childlikeness that you were talking about. Um, I, I just think back to whenever I was little and I was, you know, I grew up in church. And so we had, like in kids' church, we would just sing all the songs and do all these things. And it's it's funny to look back and just see how I never doubted God in that time. Um, and I just, there was never a question. And I just, I loved Jesus and you know, maybe didn't even know exactly why, but it just like, it was, it was easy to believe as a child. Um, and then, you know, you get older and you start having these questions. And, um, once you start understanding things more and it's like, I feel like, like looking at my journey, I feel like God in the last four years or so, like brought me back to that, that childlike just awe I had, um, in him. And it's, there's a song, it's like, I can't remember what song it is, but it says, um, like, wide-eyed and mystified, may we be just like a child. Um, and I can't remember what it is after that, but that's that's the line I remember. And just, it's it's so crazy, like, how, how God has kind of brought me back to that as, you know, a 20-year-old adult. So, yeah, I think that's... That's great stuff. And I, I, I love using that description, like, in awe of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it helps us keep perspective of who we are in that relationship with God is to have awe, but at the same time, you know, you have this 
complete wonder of who God could be as creator, but at the same time think of him as a father that's so close and accessible that you can approach at any time. Good stuff. Anybody else? Um, when you talk about being like childlike, I automatically thought of the vulnerability that, that you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking back to like Leah, when I was a child, um, I like grew up in the country and I would walk around in most of the time, no shoes and only underwear, like <laughs> outside all the time, head to toe, most of the time covered in dirt and mud. And I just did <laughs> not care. And I just think, you know, now we, as adults, um, whether it be from our past experiences with other people, or maybe you've been, you feel like you've been like burned by God or whatever it may be. We have these walls that we put up and I just think it's, it's nice to come back to when you can being vulnerable like you were as a child. And I know the vulnerability that I was talking about wasn't necessarily emotional or spiritual, but yeah, it's so good. So good. How about you, Reagan? Anything yet? Um, I was just like, whenever we're talking about childlike faith and being like a child, um, I was just thinking back, like when we were children, like we depended on our parents. Um, and so when we were younger, it's it was easy to depend on God because He is a Father to us. Mm-hmm. And as we grow grow older, um, sometimes I think it's harder for us to depend um, on Him. Sometimes and um, no, that's really good. And that that's really our topic today is it's trust issues and why we you know know so much and are in awe of God and and the tighter the relationship. Uh, why are there things that still cause us trust issues? Like there's some things that we have no problem trusting him with, but there may be areas of our lives where we don't completely trust him. So I was going to see if one of you would read that passage that I sent you last night, or at least one of them, Matthew 18, 2 through 5. I have it written down here so I can. Awesome. Yeah. Go for it. It says, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Yeah. So what is that? What do you have pictured in your mind when you read that passage? I think... I mean, it kind of goes back to like what I what I talked about on Sunday in my message. Like, whenever I had those pink cowgirl boots on, you know, I was um, in my head like that was a, a symbol of like joy and confidence to me. And so, whenever somebody attacked that, it like it took away that that joy and that confidence. Um, and it's like if you if you replace that um, with God, like metaphorically kind of replace that, it's like sometimes when someone attacks your faith, it makes that confidence like go lower and lower. Um, And so I think that that's kind of what what happened to me whenever I did start growing up and, um, you know, people, people make comments and say things and it just becomes harder and harder to trust. And also I think that like people a lot of the time have been burned by people as far as trust goes like they've trusted someone and been burned and so they kind of like 
let that affect their how that reflects God and so they see him as someone who who can't be trusted because we can't separate the human qualities and the divine qualities so good that makes sense (laughs) so this is what I think we talked a little bit about last night was that how our our relationships affect our identity you know what I mean is Mm -hmm. it that we come up with all these different uh, things in our lives that sort of define us whether it's uh, what we do um, if if you're an athlete it's the sport uh, you know as adults sometimes we tend to define ourselves with careers um, all these other things within our culture that we allow to define us instead of um, as Christians our relationship with God uh, how many people are allowing possibly a romantic relationship to mm-hmm. define them if how much that person cares about them or how they treat them. And then if, you know, they go from one relationship to the next because their uh, self-confidence or their self-image was torn apart, uh, they're always going to try to fill uh, that void or try to make themselves feel better within that romantic relationship instead of going to God. And at that point, are they projecting their distrust from those romantic relationships on God and saying there's really no one I can trust mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah definitely so I see where you're going with that so we could even talk about outside of romantic relationships we could talk about if you've not had good relationships with your parents if you haven't had mm-hmm. a, a good relationship with your father figure uh, you know any sort of parental role someone that has um, mentored you if they've failed horribly or miserably or, or um, caused you to think that you're not adequate or, or valuable or whatever, that could you have a huge effect on what you think about God. Does anybody have anything to talk about on that? Um, I, I actually do. So my I have a great relationship with both of my parents, um, but I did. Uh, my dad was my principal my basketball coach, and then my superintendent. Um, so, wow. <laughs> yeah. He's got some hats. Yeah. Um, so I just grew up feeling like I had to be perfect. And he, I think it was more me than him, but just having him in that role and having, you know, like the whole town <laughs> looking at you and right. watching everything that you do. Because, you know, with basketball, he would always say, I can't play you unless you're like, way better than everyone else because they're gonna say that I'm playing you because you're my daughter and um I guess that just kind of plays into I have had a hard time realizing that I don't have to like my value doesn't come from what I do like it comes from kind of like you were talking Mm -hmm. about you know the labels that everyone else puts on you um it was just really hard for me to realize that God doesn't love me because, you know, I serve every Sunday and Wednesday or because I read my Bible every day this week. You know, it's he loves me because he loves me and there's really no other reason why. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Making that separation because we live in such a performance based society, mm-hmm. you know, especially as an athlete. I mean, yeah. everything's performance based. If yeah. you don't play well, you don't you know, you, you're not acknowledged yeah. in any way. And so switching that around especially if you've been in a relationship that 
the love was dependent on how well you performed or met expectations or whatever. It's hard to even understand the kind of relationship uh, where it's unconditional. You, you know, uh, there there's nothing you can do to make you uh, to make me love you more or less. Uh, and if no one's ever had a relationship with that uh, kind of a God with a, with a person that um, you know absolutely loved you maybe before you became a Christian uh, and you understand that now that there is a relationship where you're loving God back, uh, it can be like scary to think, you know, at what point is God going to do the same thing that's happened to me before? So um, did you guys watch the Bible Project video about yes. faithful? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of my favorites that I've seen. It comes from the Exodus 34 passage where where God's describing himself his character and his nature and that's the the last description of that is how God is faithful what did you guys take away from that um I think that basically with with all the things we've talked about like with with the um like having that childlike innocence taking taken away or um trying to to fill yourself with other things or or equating your your uh human relationships to God it all comes back to not having an understanding of his faithfulness like it can all come down to that bottom line I feel like not having not knowing how faithful he is and in turn like not trusting him in that and all of those things stem from that absolutely anybody else yeah that's good um one of the things that was said in the video was when we consider God to be faithful we respond in faithfulness and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of like what you were saying Lee and I just think it's so easy to like when things don't go our way and or you know when we've prayed for something and it doesn't happen it's so easy to to think well God's not faithful <laughs> and then you know we respond in that attitude but when we really realize that God works everything for our good and that he is faithful we're going to respond in an attitude of faithfulness yeah, that's good. I think sometimes we get, um, sometimes we try to handle some of those issues and tackle um, some of those giants on our own instead of um, trusting in God to to get us through those and rely mm-hmm. on Him. But um, they're, they're talking about David, and you know, David said, you know, you come with swords and spears, but I come with the name of God of Israel. And I think that that was just so true. Um, you know, because sometimes we do get to doing things on our own and we kind of leave mm-hmm. God on the side but really he's the one that we need to get through it so, yeah, good. so good yes so that takes me back to the idea of the garden uh, and you have these <laughs> essentially uh, two brand new human beings they're running around all excited in awe and wonder of the creation that God's given them you know it's like best must best Christmas ever and you know somebody comes along as they're just like ooing and on and they're in the background going you know making those like condescending noises like you know what I mean you know the kind of person that I'm talking about they're just like why are you so easily impressed at all this other stuff and of course we know that this character that comes along that doesn't want them to enjoy their relationship with God ends up, you know, tempting them, uh, actually exploiting that vulnerability and innocence so that they are no longer 
in that relationship with God and it and it messes everything up. And so the part that I just wanted to segue to is that trust issues happen because not everybody's God. I mean, that's yeah. just the really reality of it. And and it's hard as especially as a child to have a bad experience early on in your life where somebody has just exploited that you know innocence uh, uh, and traumatized someone so that they are so hurt they have a hard time later in life having good relationships and so um, I wanted somebody to read first Peter 5 8 through 10 and and talk about you know they're projecting our issues of distrust on God it, there's a reason for it and so it, it's actually normal to think, you know what, I can trust God in things that I can't trust anyone else in. Be watchful and control yourselves. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He prowls around looking for someone to swallow up. Stand up to him. Remain strong in what you believe. You know that you are not alone in your suffering. The family of believers throughout the world is going through the same thing. God always gives you the grace you need. So you will only have to suffer for a little while. Then God himself will build you up again. He will make you strong and steady, and he has chosen you to share in his eternal glory because you belong to Christ. So what comes to mind when I say the word predator? Um, I mean, I think of like, I mean, even in, in wildlife, like the predators go for the vulnerable, you know, the the slowest, the youngest, whatever. Um and the enemy does does the same thing. I mean, he knows our weakness, um, and he knows whenever we are at our most vulnerable, and he uses that. Exactly. So they usually single out the weakest, mm-hmm. too. You know what I mean? They try to do things to isolate uh, the weak and slow or whatever. And I think that's exactly why it's put into the context of the kingdom, is that we're supposed to stay together. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be having each other's backs. We're supposed to be, you know, uh, trustworthy within the body of Christ, within the kingdom, so that, you know, if we're so afraid of of sharing what's wrong in our lives with someone because we're going to be embarrassed or we can't trust them to handle it without uh, condemning us, then that's really an opportunity for the predator, the evil one, to isolate us and attack us by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's what's so huge about what he's saying. He's he's like, this is a a group effort. This is about being a family. This is about being uh, supportive in any situation because the worst thing that can happen to us is for us to get separated from the pack and attacked on our own. So how much easier uh, is it... uh, you know, because people say, well, I, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. How many how many times has, have you heard somebody say that, right? <laughs> many times. Yeah. Well, you don't, and I'm going to just get flack for saying this. All right, you're stranded on a deserted island. You can still love God. You can still be a Christian. I get it. But why would you want to? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think this is a perfect example of why you know, maintaining that innocence and vulnerability really can't happen as easily 
if we don't have a family to surround us and help us stay that way. You know what I mean? We can be vulnerable, uh, you know, with God and innocent in, in the choices that we make, but we need someone to have our back so that we don't get attacked, you know, from all directions. So the first thing that, that Peter said, he said, uh, and I, I can't remember which translation <laughs> you use, but did it say alert? Like be alert, like watching out? Did yours say that? Mine did not say that. Okay. <laughs> well, I think it was the NIV that I read that said, be alert and sober-minded. And I get alert. It, it's like, don't let your guard down because it's not, you know, if but when Satan's going to try to find a weak spot. He's going to try to exploit that. He's going to attack you or whatever. But what what about sober-minded? What What's kind of different about that than just being alert? You know... When we talk about not being uh, deceived by things, because it's not just, of course, sober. We could talk about alcohol or we could talk Mm -hmm. about things that put you under the influence. But there are also other things in life that can sort of make us not think straight. Okay, You know what I mean? It's like Mm -hmm. we have to be thinking clearly and know who God is. And a lot of times people will have this notion and they, they have this emotionally based relationship with God or you know talking about who Jesus is but they really don't know what it says in God's word and so people can more easily exploit us if we don't have clear thinking about who God is and what it means to um, you know watch out for the manipulation and the exploitation that can happen when we're not around, you know, our family of God, because the truth is, is we're, we're not going to be around him all the time. We're going to be out on our own in the world a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And we have to be sober minded. We have to know what God says to look out for and have our, even our boundaries so that that protects us. So, um, whoever had Matthew 18 up, would you go ahead and read verses five through seven? So that one is anyone who welcomes a little child like Like this one in my name welcomes me. What if someone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin? If they do, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung over their neck and be drowned at the bottom of the sea. How terrible it will be for the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Things like that must come, but how terrible for the person who causes them. So that just tells you how serious God takes that. about exploiting innocence and i mean i think it's a clear warning that you know it's literally like asking to be cursed whenever you use that type of you know character and and uh attitude i guess you could say against people that are trying to follow god in a way that that jesus says is is what makes us you know really love god back in a way that we can't we if we're not being vulnerable and innocent, then we can't be as dependent, like you said, Reagan, on God because we're we're trying to do things on our own. We're trying to show that we've got this and, and all those other things. And then um, that essentially ruins the intimacy that we can have yeah. with the Father. It's really it's really funny to me to look back at like all the times I have tried to do things myself and how it literally never <laughs> never works but I still sometimes will will do that and try and do things in my own strength even though I have done that and failed so many times 
and also done it the other way and seen how how God can can work and and do things and I you know still still try to do things myself it's so funny to me and I think we all go through that because just because of the nature of our culture that there's going to be times when we we catch ourselves and we we have to pray for that self-awareness it's like am I trying to do do this without you God am I trying to you know I I, we're all gonna have this desire to do our best for the kingdom we're all gonna have uh, this passion to be everything that God has designed us to be uh, but at the same time we we have to realize that uh, where that power comes from or where the you know uh, fulfillment and just re-energizing to to become that person that God has made us has to come from him I can I can't tell you the number of times that I've gotten a wake-up call that's like you know you're trying to do this, under your own power you're trying to do this without him and that's why it's not working out Mm -hmm. so um last verse i've got here um is from ephesians 4 and it's the apostle paul saying that a leader who follows christ has the responsibility to equip god's people to do his work and strengthen the church and that's in ephesians 4 and, and verse 13 says this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. So that's where I was going. Is that it's like he's making a distinction between childlike, which is a compliment, and then there's childish, yeah. which is more like foolishness. Like you're you're not really thinking; you're just acting off of emotions. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's the growing up process as a Christian. It's like growing up that that you know what we're in awe and wonder of God. We're running around in the garden like it's Disney World and we're so excited about everything that he's done for us and then somebody comes by and gives us like a reality check and says why did you have to ruin it for me but that's part of the maturity process it's part of growing up and realizing that we live in a broken world you know we'd all like to have our own space where no evil can get in and and we're protected constantly from it but that's just not the world we live in so any other thoughts yeah so just like how we talked about last night i mean going back to you know how the enemy attacks in vulnerability we talked about last night um how things spoken over us whenever we were younger affected us or um maybe not even when we were younger just the hurtful words that people have said or labels people have put on us and some people shared things um just like how someone mentioning something maybe even as a joke like brought up all these things that they had never even thought about and they just kind of internalized it um and so and like for me I I talked about that too like just how being made fun of whenever I was in middle school like just just brought all this insecurity that I had never felt before you know I was I was very happy with life and who I was and it, it took those outward opinions to just affect me and um 
you know, we talked about like relationships with, with siblings too. And how I shared how, um, like I did not have a good relationship with my siblings growing up. And I can remember like really trying and pushing to be a part of their lives and getting called, you know, annoying a lot. Um, and so in my head, because I never challenged that, I was like, well, I guess I am annoying. And, you know, I I took that into all of my other relationships too. And just, I always was worried about people thinking that I was annoying, you know? And so I just accepted, you know, everything that, that people said as truth and my way of dealing with this. And, And other people in the group shared, you know, similar stories and, and how they dealt with it. And, you know, we just, we try to, to fill it with, with earthly things that we think will make us feel better. Um, and that will distract us. And they do, honestly, they do distract us, but that's all they are is a distraction. And, um, I talked too about how, um, I use like the metaphor of we put a bandaid on things that, that need surgery. And I think a lot of the times we, we get hurt whenever we're younger and those hurts just kind of fester and just like with actual injuries they get you know more serious more serious the more you go without getting them checked out and so so, like whenever you go with with those insecurities and those lies whenever they go unchallenged unchecked by god they grow and get worse and it's like we try and and temporarily make ourselves feel better when really we need god to like do surgery on us absolutely um, if that makes sense and and so I definitely was was there, and I, I think a lot of people in the group, in my small group, like, felt that also. And so um, just, like, it comes down to not knowing who we are in Christ, not knowing his faithfulness, not knowing um, who, that he made us with a purpose and he chose us. And, um, yeah, it just it just comes down to, like, not surrendering everything to God and like just using things to kind of fill his place when in reality there's nothing that that can fill that place that God was meant to fill so good so I I think it connects with that video that we were talking about faithful Mm -hmm. earlier it's the truth is it that we have to know where our source of truth comes from and it presented um, the trustworthiness of God as something that's solid, that it's a foundation you can stand on. It's not unstable. Yeah. Like we can depend on God because he's so stable and we don't have to worry about, you know, yeah, the situation is not that big a deal. Uh, you know, I'm just in a little bit of discomfort, uh, you know, I'm going through something in life that, that is not really major, but as soon as something comes along that just rocks my world, I'm not sure that God's going to, you know, be able to hold me up. Mm-hmm. Or I, can, I, can I trust that this stability in this relationship is going to support me through anything? So that's, that's really good stuff. Anybody else? Talking about distrust a little bit, I go back to thinking about, like, we are God's children. Um, And when I think of children, I think of being, I kind of said it earlier, being little and relying and depending on our parents or caregivers. And, um, you know, as, like, a young child, an infant, you know, toddler, whatever, um, those trust relationships are built on those that give safe, 
and consistent care. Mm-hmm. Um, those that love them, take care of them. Um, and I just kind of relate that, you know, isn't, isn't he offering us the same, the same thing, the same love and consistency, um, in that relationship? So why is it so hard for us sometimes to not trust him? Um, just something I've just kind of been thinking about, you know, I think sometimes our sin gives us pleasure or satisfaction and whatever it may be that sometimes I think we choose our sin over God. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't know why we do that, but we do. And I think that's just our flesh, you know, um, and within us. Um, but when we choose our sin over God, ultimately we're just saying that, that we, we don't trust God, that our distrust in him is real. Um, yeah, basically saying that that thing, whatever that temporary pleasure is, is going to, we trust that more than to satisfy us more than we trust God to satisfy us, basically. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, how often do we try to replace God with things? I mean, I think you're spot on, Mm -hmm. is that just like any relationship, it's a two-way street, and a lot of times when we're not sensing God's closeness, it's because we aren't drawing close to Him. We've sort of you know, let things, distractions, you know, maybe they're not bad things even, but uh, just time and investment in the relationship. And then we wonder why we're not sensing him as much. He maybe feels more distant or whatever it is. And all the stuff that we talked about last night, you know, some of it was not even necessarily real. Like, um, it's our perception of what people think about us. You know, you were, you were talking about maybe that, you know, you almost place a label on yourself because you're comparing yourself to someone else. And then all of a sudden you're not good enough. Um, all of these other issues and thoughts, uh, you're the one that, that makes them part of your identity, that makes them who you are and it's like now you're defined by these things that are negative and insecure and all this other stuff so that that other passage that we were reading about you know thoughts um causing us problems and becoming strongholds in our lives that we just can't get past would you read that passage for us which one that second corinthians 10 passage Okay, 2 Corinthians 10. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So good. So I I know doing plugs for for Life Church and for Craig's new book probably won't get us, you know, anywhere, but I love his new series, Winning the War of the Mind or in the Mind. And he talked about that specifically and some of his own struggles and how he's had to, you know, and sometimes we have to be pretty methodical about how we you know, rewire our thought processes and how we can have these things in our lives where we try to put a band-aid on it we try to do quick fixes 
and and they just become so temporary and they don't last that we really need uh, God to come in and do that surgery and remove it completely so that it doesn't come back in in moments where we just feel overwhelmed. So that's all really good stuff. You guys have anything else to add? So before we end today, I wanted to read one last verse from John 1. Verse 9 says, The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. I love it. So thank you guys for listening to us today, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Trend or Truth podcast. This podcast is recorded out of the AMP station in Claremore, Oklahoma. AMP is a Christian ministry geared towards college students and young adults with an emphasis on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a subscriber so you don't miss out on a single episode. We release new entries every Monday. Also, rate and review this podcast on iTunes and share it on social media. Once again, thank you for joining us today, and we'll talk to you next time.